as we usher in a new year, uh, it seems to be one of those times where resolutions are often made. We may not formally say, hey, I'm making resolutions. I know uh, there was a time in my life where I did formally make resolutions. Uh, I don't really do that so much today, but it does seem like there's something about the beginning of the new year that kind of makes us or causes us to desire to start something new. Uh, maybe it's just the timing and just the way it is. Hey, you know what? It wouldn't be a bad thing to begin that right now. And it's the new year, so let's try something new. Uh, sometimes changes we do mean giving up a certain thing. Maybe there's something that the doctor said that you no longer can have, and so you know have to give that up. Maybe there's something that you need to add, uh, whether it be a dietary thing that you need to add, maybe more Reese's peanut butter cups you have to add to your diet. Uh, maybe there's something else you have to add, maybe not exercise, that would be a bad illustration, but maybe something else you need to add to your regimen. And so it seems like the beginning of the year is just one of those opportunities that kind of encourages that starting things new or, or putting away things. But as we think about those, either adding to or taking away, they kind of have that same purpose. There's a, there's a desire to accomplish something. Uh, whether, uh, whatever it may be, there's a desire to accomplish something. This morning, as we think about beginning a new year, we have a new ministry theme for this year. And this year's theme is to run the race as to win. That is our, that is our theme and that is our desire. And our passage this year for our theme is 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. And that's the meditation verse this month, this week. Uh, for us to meditate on. But this morning, as we consider this passage, we want to consider the context of this passage. And, and as we consider this passage and think about this new year, um, my prayer is, is that we would be challenged, that we would be challenged to run the race in such a way as to win. And so that's my prayer for us today, and that's my prayer for us this upcoming year, that we would run the race in such a way that we would run it to win it. All right? As we dive into this passage this morning, there are three headings that we're going to use, or four headings that we're going to use to kind of lead us through this. The first thing is determination is needed. The second thing is discipline is needed. The third thing is direction is needed. And the fourth thing, as we think about all of those other things, disqualification needs to be avoided. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. I just invite you this morning to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, find verse 24 with me. And if you wouldn't mind standing with me, I would appreciate it. I'll read it aloud and you can read along with me in your copy of the scriptures. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. But this is 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. It says, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, 
I myself might be disqualified. Great God in heaven, we're thankful that you are the great God in heaven, that there is no other. We pray, Lord, that in our time together as we open your word, that your word would be open to us, that your word would fill our hearts and fill our minds today. And we pray, Lord, that as your word is open, that our hearts would be opened to what you have for us. As we look at this year of ministry, as we look forward to this coming year, I pray, Lord, that it would be our desire to run the race, to run it in such a way as to win. And so, Lord, I pray that as you, as we look into your word today, that you would speak to our hearts. And so let us hear from you today. It's in your son's precious name we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we look at this passage this morning, the first thing we want to look at is determination being needed. Look at verse 24. He begins and he says, don't you realize? Now, as we think about this phrase that he uses here, this phrase is just a statement of recall. He's not teaching them anything new. What he's doing here is taking some facts that are already known, some facts that are already out there, and he's putting them together in an understandable way to make his point. Uh, just calling those facts together, um, a matter of having those facts uh, make, make things clear for him, that's what he's doing. And that's, that's what he's saying with this, uh, don't you realize? It's just a matter of drawing their minds to what his point is, and trying to get them to see the facts that are already out there, that they would realize that, and he's making his point through that, being made aware of those facts. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? Duh. I mean, isn't that really what we think? Because in a race, doesn't everyone run? I mean, that's why we call it a race. Paul is, is speaking of runners here, and he's using this as an illustration. Now, here in Corinth, there were the, Ith, the Isthmian Games. I can't say it because there's an F and S in the middle of it, and it gets me. But these games were second only to the Olympics, and the Isthmian Games were big in Corinth. And people in Corinth would compete in these games, and they would compete Every three years, it was on a three-year cycle uh, that they would compete. And everyone in Corinth knew about these games. And as people would gather for these games, and as those runners would run, uh, there would be no spectators in the race. Everyone who was in the race would run the race. And it's kind of an obvious thing, right? And that's what he says. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? But then he says, but only one person gets the prize. Everyone runs, but only one gets the prize. All of those runners are running for that prize. And in the Ithmian games, as they ran, they would receive a crown of olive branches. And not the good firm wood, but the leafy part of it. And that would be weaved together into a crown, and they would receive that crown. Now, the thing that was amazing about that crown is after a short time, it would wilt. But yet, everyone ran in the race, and everybody competed 
for the prize. Now, there were obviously bragging rights that would come along with this withering fern that they would put on their head, but even that would fade. You would be able to tell everybody in Corinth that you were the fastest man in Corinth. Uh, they, this was about two weeks before Facebook was invented, so they couldn't use Facebook, but they could have used MySpace. And they could have been on the front of the Wheaties box. So other than that, it really wouldn't have got around much that, that you were winning. So it was a very temporary kind of thing. But even though their chances were slim, and, and even though it was a quick fading victory, people would still run the race. And they would run the race to get the prize, even though one person would get the prize. And they would run the race not with half an effort, but they would run the race with full effort, desiring to win. And Paul uses this illustration as a picture of the Christian life. He says in verse 24, so run to win. As followers of Christ, we each have been given a race. A race has been mapped out for each one of us. And each one of us run a different race. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Each of us have a different race. Thankfully, each of us have a different race. Can you imagine if we were all called to the same type of work? If we all worked at McDonald's, nobody would eat there, right? Because we're around it all the time. You get one free meal a day, but you know, even then it's a little much to handle every day. So thankful we don't all work at the same place. So thankful we don't all rub elbows with the same people. We have different people we rub elbows with, right? So we each have different races to run. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us that's as unique as we are. And wherever we are in our age, whether we're 25 or we're really old, like 26, then we have had training for those 25, those 26 years to get us to this point, right? And so all of that training prepares us for the race that's the leg ahead of us. I remember talking to a friend of ours. He planned, he's planning a church in, in Utah. He's planted two other churches and he's turned 70 years old and he decided that he had enough in him to plant one more church. And so at 70 years old, he began a church in Utah. And I called him and asked him how things were going and he said, God has used 70 years to prepare me and train me for this church. The things that I've learned over these 70 years, God is using them right now for me. And, you know, God does that for us. He prepares us for the race that's ahead. We don't know what's ahead, but he's been training us for this moment. In this race that's, that we're in the midst of, we all have that race. And our goal is the same. No matter who we are, our goal in this race is the same. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
No matter what our race is, that is our goal, is to bring glory to God. And Paul says, run this race as to win. We need to run our race with the determination to win. That needs to be what we determine to do. Run this race, run this race in such a way that we should win. Living the Christian life, we shouldn't desire to run the race half-hearted. We shouldn't desire to just be a spectator in this race. It should be our desire to run the race, and that's what we should be determined to do, is to run the race. My oldest daughter is the least competitive person I've ever met in my life. And in fact, we kind of thought for a moment there might have been a mix-up at the hospital. We brought home the wrong kid. We would get Dayton and Devaney up for church, and we would tell Dayton, if you don't hurry, your sister's going to be dressed before you. Bubba would get out, and he would be dressed in seconds. We would tell Devaney, if you don't hurry up and get dressed, your brother's going to be dressed before you. And she would say, so? <laughs> and I would say, second place is not bad, sis, but it's like the first loser. And she would say, so? We decided we would put her on a soccer team, and my youngest two, well, my youngest three, uh, crazy about competing in soccer, especially the youngest two in soccer. All out soccer players, psycho kind of nutty kind of people. We used to watch Devaney play soccer, and she would be in the center of the soccer field, and she would she would play soccer like this. <laughs> Paul Marilyn used to just go crazy because she didn't, she wouldn't do anything but be a spectator. As we live the Christian life, we're not to be spectators. As we run the race that God has set before us, we are not to be spectators. We need to be determined to run the race that's set before us and run the race to the best of our abilities if we are going to win the race. The second thing that he says here as we think about running this race to win, we need to be disciplined. Look at verse 25. It says all athletes are disciplined in their training. Athletes are disciplined. Athletes have to practice self-control. They are disciplined in their training. Uh, athletes spend their time practicing. They spend their time preparing. There are sacrifices that they have to make. I remember being in middle school and there were some of my friends who weren't uh, on the football team. They weren't on the basketball team. And I had to stay after school every day for practice. And they would be like, man, how do you do that? And I'm, that's what you got to do. I couldn't go home and, and go hunting and, and go home and go fishing. I had to go to practice. That's, that's just the way it was. And as a middle school person, there's understanding that, that you have to be disciplined. I didn't really think about it being disciplined, but... That's what you had to do. You, that's what you did every day was that thing. Athletes uh, here to compete in these games would train for 10 months. And they had to have proof that they had been training for that 10 months. And then for the last month, they would come to Corinth and they would train in Corinth for that last month before the games. Uh, so unlike today, right, with the Olympics, we're training every day for the Olympics, right, for four years getting ready for that competition in four years. 
But that's how they would compete, and it took discipline. You know, as we think about this, and we think about this thought of discipline, don't the successful people that you know in life, don't they practice discipline? I mean, in some way or another, they practice <laughs> discipline. That's, that's what makes them successful. And as we think about athletes, they have to practice discipline. Why do they practice discipline? What makes them, what makes them practice? What drives them to practice discipline? It says in verse 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win the prize. They do it for the prize. That's what makes them get up in the morning is the thought of, of being that Ithian game champion, of, of receiving that wreath of celery or that wreath of pine brows or, or those olive branches. That's what got them up in the morning. That's what made them uh, practice that discipline. They looked forward to winning their prize. That's what made them press on is the prize that waited for them. And so they ran the race in that way. And it says here that that will fade away. They practiced discipline. That was the drive. But the, but the prize was temporary. Uh, even the glory that they received would be temporary. There would be a point where where they wouldn't even be known as to who they were. There would come that moment. But yet, those that drove them, even though the pine boughs and the olive branches would wilt away, it drove them. And you think about it, even gold medals. I mean, they drive and desire gold medals. But other than the hockey team in 1980 and Eric Hyden, can you name another Olympic athlete that won gold in the 1980 Olympics? Anyone? We can't, can we? It fades. It fades. And this pursuit of these things are, are temporary. They are temporary. But yet, they practice determination. They practice discipline. Notice what he says in verse 25. But we do it for an eternal prize. We do it for an eternal prize. Our eternal prize is not salvation. That's not why we run the race for, to earn our salvation. Our salvation is a gift. We don't have to strive to earn our salvation. Jesus Christ went to the cross and died on the cross and paid the full penalty for our sins. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we're not all going to be in heaven gathered around and saying, look what I did to receive salvation, boasting about ourselves. Instead, we're going to be around the throne of God, worshiping God, worshiping Christ for his plan of salvation, for the gift that was given to us, not because of who we were, but because of God. He's going to receive the glory. He's going to receive the worship, not us. So our works... Our striving to live the Christian life is not for our salvation. But as we strive to live the Christian life, as we run the race that's set before us and we run in such a way to win, we will be rewarded for it. This is 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. It says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. 
1 Corinthians 3, 12 says this, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work has anyone, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Our reward will be worth it. We're not going to run the race and, and do it in such a way that to win and then get there and go, this is it? This is all you have? The reward is going to be so much greater. We're going to recognize that. I told you when I was working for Schwann's and I was seeking to make Chairman's Club my first year, and it's called a Grand Slam, and you get a couple different plaques, and you get a ring, and you get a watch, and it's this great thing. And I did it, and they handed me the watch, and I was like, this is it? They gave my wife a watch, too. So I thought maybe next year when they give me the diamond ring, maybe that would be the year. And it'll be great then. And my wife gets a diamond, and I've never given my wife a diamond before. So two birds with one stone. <laughs> President of the company gives me my ring. And I went, this is it? This is all you got? It wasn't there. It was temporary at best. And when we get to heaven, when we're rewarded for the race that's we, that we've run, we're not going to say that. We're not going to be disappointed. We're going to be greatly excited and rejoice in the reward that's given to us and all of the glory is going to go to Christ. But discipline is needed. Determination is needed. Discipline is needed. Direction is needed. Look at verse 26. He says, so I run with purpose and every step. Paul ran with purpose. Every step was with purpose. You think about that, and it's kind of overkill, isn't it? Every step with purpose. But what happens when we misstep that one time? Once we get old and turn 26, we understand what a misstep does to us, right? Replace hips, replace shoulders because of a misstep. As we run the race, we need to run the race in such a way as to win, being intentional about every step that we run in this race. Running aimlessly has no benefit. Running aimlessly has no benefit. We must run with a purpose. He says in verse 26, I am not just shadow boxing. Now, shadow boxing, boxing was, was something that was in the games, and they would practice boxing would be one of the events. And shadow boxing may be a way that a boxer would train, just practicing shadow boxing. But in the midst of the competition, a boxer would not just throw aimless punches. A boxer would conserve his punches, and he would make sure that when he threw punches that they landed, because when a punch lands, you get points for it. And so they wouldn't just aimlessly throw punches. There would be recognition and a desire to throw punches in the right place. And Paul says, you know what? Each punch is thrown with a purpose. Each punch is thrown with a, with a desire of landing in the proper place. No missteps, no mispunches. Paul says, follow the example of a boxer. Direction is needed. 
But Paul also warns about disqualification. And as you think about competition, there is a chance of being disqualified. If we don't compete according to the rules, disqualification would be the result. Paul says in verse 27, I discipline my body like an athlete. The New American Standard Version says I beat my body. Uh, the thought here is just this metaphor, this picture of, of self-control, keeping his body under control, not letting his body do as it wanted to do, uh, but making sure that his body did as he wanted it to do. And he doesn't blame others for it either. Well, this is what society has done to me. He is making sure that his body does what he wants his body to do. Maintain it and keep it under control, just like an athlete would do. Training it to do what it should. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word training, I don't think about a one-time thing. It would be nice, wouldn't it? Wake up on New Year's Day, uh, I'm going to eat better one time, and then all of the pounds fall off and we're right where we want to be. Back to the high school weight, fitting into our high school gowns again. Wouldn't that be great? doesn't work that way. Training is something that happens on a regular basis. It's an ongoing process. Sometimes we get frustrated with it. Sometimes we want to give up on it. But training is a process, and it's a process that doesn't stop. And Paul says, training it to do what it should. And then he says, otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now, Paul is not worried about losing his salvation. He knows his salvation is secure in Christ. But he doesn't want to preach to others and then lose his testimony. He doesn't want to become ineffective as he runs the race that Christ has set before him. He wants to make sure that as he runs this race, as he presses on towards the finish line, that he finishes the way that he should finish. This is Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a fun thing to do for us to look back and see all that we've accomplished? Man, all of the things that we've done is amazing. But Paul says, you know what? I'm not concerned about all that I've done. What I'm concerned about is what I do. His desire was to finish the race. Because halfway through, looking at how good you ran the first half of the race, doesn't mean that you'll finish the race the same way. Paul says, hey, that's behind me. I'm pressing on to finish the race. He didn't coast. He didn't look back and amaze himself at what he'd accomplished. But Paul, as he neared the end, he recognized that end was coming, and he sought to press on. This is 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, near the end of Paul's life. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought 
the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul was at the end of the race, still not looking back, still looking forward. I've run the race. Now the prize that I've been running for is going to be mine. It was a good fight. It was a good race. But the prize is what I'm looking forward to. Because Paul's desire was to run the race in such a way that he would win. And at the end of the race, I've won. I've won. So there you have it. As we think about running the race to win, determination is needed, discipline is needed, direction is needed. We also have to be aware of disqualification. And because of the recognition of the thought of disqualification, that reminds us to be determined, to be disciplined, to seek proper direction so that we're not disqualified. Because that thought keeps us in the race. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our Sunday afternoon? What do we apply to our 2023 year? I think there's a couple of things that we need to ask ourselves. I think the first thing we need to ask ourselves is the question, are you running the race? If you've never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, if you've never recognized your need for salvation, you're not in the race. You're not in the Christian race. You're, you're just in life. You're, you're not running the race. You're running aimlessly. You need to be in the race. You see, Jesus Christ came into this world. He lived a perfect life. He was God in the flesh. He was tempted in every way, but he sinned in none. And he died as a perfect sacrifice. And he paid the penalty, and it says the wages of sin is death. Jesus Christ paid that penalty for you. He paid that wage for you. You don't have to pay it. It's been paid. But you do have to turn to Jesus Christ. John 1.12 tells us that if we receive and believe, he gives us the right to become children of God. So we have to believe and recognize that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Believe that he did die in our place and paid the penalty for our sins. And then we have to receive that gift the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We have to receive that gift and make it our own. And when we receive that gift, we become a follower of Christ. When we receive that gift, the race is set out before us that we can run in. And we become runners in the race. But if we don't know Christ, we're not in this race. And so I want to challenge you today, and I want to question you today, as we begin 2023, are you in the race? Are you a follower of Christ? If not, today would be a great day to get in the race. All you have to do is recognize that you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Recognize that Jesus Christ died in your place and paid the full price for your sin death. And turn to him and confess him as Lord and as Savior. And if you would do that, you can enter this race. I think the second question we need to ask is that, are we running in the right direction? 
Maybe you trusted Christ a long time ago and you've entered the race a long time ago. But maybe you don't know what God's plan is for you. Maybe you've just been running in circles, not really doing anything to serve him. Maybe you've just been standing in the middle of the field watching people run. Today's the day for you to get in the race and run the race. To run the race in such a way as to win. Make sure you're running the race towards the finish line. As you're here today, are you running the race to win? Sometimes we can live the Christian life and we just drift along. You know, we're, we have fire insurance. We don't have to worry about not being saved. But, but yeah, we're really not doing anything for Jesus. We're really not doing anything to make a difference for Christ. We're just observing. You know, we run this race to run. So join the race and run. Don't just be an observer. Run. Run the race. And then as we think about running the race, do you have a desire to finish well? Do you have a desire to finish well? <clears throat> Maybe you're here today and you're 80 years old and you're not even thinking about the finish line yet. Good for you. But are you thinking about finishing well? No matter where we are in the race, are we thinking about finishing well? Doesn't matter how we start the race. Doesn't matter how we do in the middle of the race. What matters is that we finish well. Is that our desire, to finish well?